your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at AJLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Lockdown Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so does not cost you a single cent and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's podcast, uh, it is finally time to talk a little bit more about Jets hockey, which is still currently ongoing, obviously. Uh, Despite everything that has happened off the ice, the Jets are still playing, and the team continues to carry on in spite of everything. So, uh, obviously, we are still going to talk about some of the games. Um, There was one earlier that I'd meant to discuss yesterday, but unfortunately, because of all the news that broke out, I just felt like it wasn't really relevant to discuss and felt like personally it could wait a day. I thought that there were more important topics to get to first. And if you want to learn more about the entire Chicago Blackhawks case, as well as the other teams that it currently impacts, I highly recommend you listen to Locked On Blackhawks, Locked On Panthers, Locked On NHL, and of course the Locked On Crosscheck Show. My wonderful colleagues have all shared some very good insights with a lot of sensitivity and discretion and careful thought, so I would highly recommend that you check those podcasts out. Be sure to subscribe, follow, review, and check back daily to find out the latest on the cases, uh, additional thoughts and analysis on the situations, and ultimately some insight into what really happens next. I think a lot of us are still kind of reeling from a lot of the allegations. And uh, before we talk about actual Jets hockey, there was one thing that kind of stuck out for for me today that I didn't actually realize had occurred in the past. Um, and this was an article around Kevin Shoveldayoff and Akeem Alou, who was, I believe he was on like either a minor league deal or a PTO at some point. Um, and he actually came to the Jets for that brief stay, wasn't really considered part of the main team. And uh, according to Alou, there were actually some very choice interactions with Shovel Day Off that I think for a lot of folks, they really need to take a look at uh, because it paints Chevy in a very different light than I think people are, are trying to conjure up right now in light of his involvement with the sexual assault case. For one thing, Alou basically discussed uh, Bill Peters at the time having been the head coach of the Rockford Ice Hogs. He had actually called Alou a slur and, you know, Akeem reported it. At the time, it didn't seem like a lot was actually going to come of it, and that went up the chain to Shovel Day Off. And then Alou, not long after that, I believe he was traded or something from, from Chicago system, and so when he came back to Winnipeg, he said that he was interested in at least burying the hatchet and kind of starting over, but Shovel Day Off basically gave him the cold shoulder and indicated that, you know, Alou was never really in Winnipeg's plans. Now, you could say, well, maybe it's for the on-ice stuff, but... It's it's really hard to separate all of that stuff, knowing what all has occurred, and that Shovel Day Off has already been involved with some very serious situations, which I think a lot of sports executives tend to be. It's part of the business, unfortunately, but I think the way that Shovel Day Off handled the Chicago case in regards to Aldrich and the way that it sounds like he has handled the Alou situation, there are some worrying similarities. Um, in general, it just seems like Shovel Day Off didn't really do that much. In the one case with Aldrich, 
you could at least say that as part of an organizational hierarchy, he didn't really have the level of authority as some of his colleagues. But by the same token, I also feel like his silence in the following years and stuff, it just speaks volumes about what exactly transpired after that and what I think all of them expected to happen. I, I would imagine that a lot of those guys were just sort of hoping that it would kind of go away. Uh, you know, any of this stuff ever getting out would be very career and image damaging. And so in, in an effort to kind of save their jobs and protect their image, they just sort of let things go quietly by the wayside and slip away, hoping that people wouldn't poke around too much. I don't know if Sheveldayoff was doing this explicitly like some of his colleagues, but it's kind of hard to say either way, and I don't really want to give anyone the benefit of the doubt here because, let's be honest, I don't know that anyone has really earned that right. You know, I, I choose to side with the victims here, and until we know more, it's really hard to trust the word of anyone within Chicago's organization. We have active NHL players for the team and outside of the team telling us that at the time they didn't know, and some of the retired players like Brett Sopel have basically said, no, that's bullcrap, they knew. And uh, all of these conflicting testimonies just don't really paint the situation in a good light. And so when I see this other issue with Shovel Day Off and Alu and, and the racial stuff that was going on in Chicago, and with the AHL affiliate in Rockford, I, I, I just don't really know what else to think other than that Shovel Day Off does need to be released from his contract. He's got way too much stuff associated with him. It seems like he has had an impact, if not with the decision-making in the sexual assault case, then certainly in the situation here with the Rockford Icehogs and Bill Peters. So, yeah, I'm just very troubled by it all. I don't know what the best avenue for uh, figuring out a path forward is. And you think about how all of the players for the Jets currently feel. It has to be such a weight upon the shoulders of a lot of these guys, many of whom have started to speak up in support of Kyle Beach. You know, it's it's got to be such a burden to think that your employer was directly involved in this case. And now people are asking questions and asking you, you know, what what are your thoughts on this? And of course, a lot of those guys very much are, are likely to support Beach. I'd like to think that the Jets are a little bit more open-minded than some of the other NHL teams out there. It, it may not be the case, but it feels like compared to some of the other teams out there, the Jets have generally been on the more positive side of things. As far as the players are concerned, I didn't really care for Maurice's comments, so I'm not going to discuss all that. Uh, but as far as the players are concerned, at least it seems like they have an understanding of the situation, uh, and at the time being, you know, they, they do support Kyle Beach and hope that he uh, continues to find his way through all of this. And I look at the Jets organization and I think, how can Winnipeg sell itself as this wholesome, good team with ethical standards and, and like a moral high ground when Sheveldayoff has been involved in all of these situations and he's not the only person in the organization who has been identified as having been involved in some very bad stuff. I mean, Craig Heisinger is still linked to uh, one of the situations in the junior hockey leagues where there was another sexual assault situation with the uh, the Moose Jaw Warriors. And so I, I have a hard time with all of this, and I feel like a lot of Jets fans are probably in the same boat. Winnipeg needs to be held accountable for all of this and answer for the organizational failures to deal with a lot of these situations. Maybe they didn't know about the uh, the stuff with Shovel Day Off until recently, but I, I feel like when you're in this industry and you, you know that all of these people talk behind closed doors, they all have very strong relationships, it just seems very difficult for me to imagine scenarios where people did not know a single thing about any of these cases. Somebody somewhere had to have known, and either they didn't say something, or if they did, that, that stuff kind of fell on deaf ears. So 
I don't know what to do with all of this. All I know is that the Jets really need to do some soul-searching and figure out what it is that they want to be known for standing for. Even if it's just a pragmatic thing to save the brand image, at least make a decision that seeks some measure of justice and closure for the victims affected by all of this. Sheveldayoff is going to be meeting alongside Shipman with Bettman tomorrow. They move the meeting up, so if anything comes out of that, I'll discuss it on tomorrow's episode. But for now, we're going to wrap up the discussion there on this issue. Until we know more, all we can do is just wait for the details and hope that somewhere along the line some justice is done in this case. On a related note to the Winnipeg Jets, I know some folks are probably wondering what exactly happened in Winnipeg's most recent game. I know that the players are still trying to deal with a lot of this, and, and certainly they are playing through what are some very strange circumstances. In just a moment, we'll talk about what occurred during their last game against Anaheim for the season, and then talk about tonight's game against the LA Kings. I'm not going to be doing a live impression just because it's going to be a super late start time at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, which is 9.30 p.m. your time, so I'll have any thoughts for that game on tomorrow's show, and I'll probably break it down in a little bit more detail. But before we move on to discussing the Ducks versus the Jets, I thought you should hear a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Into another sport? No problem. BetOnline has your back with European football, soccer, NASCAR, MLS, MLB, NBA, every kind of sport imaginable is at your fingertips. Go to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From all your favorite sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. So start your winning path today. Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and don't forget promo code LOCKEDON at registration. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked on Jets podcast your first listen of the day every day. I know a lot of you have probably been wondering at least a little bit about what happened uh, over the past couple of games for the Jets. The one that we haven't really discussed in great detail is Anaheim versus Winnipeg. I'm going to give you more of a cursory uh, glance over just because a lot of you probably did actually get a chance to check out the highlights. You've heard about some of the weirdness. But the long and short of it is, Winnipeg wasn't very good for almost the entire game, except for a couple of stretches here and there where the Jets maybe had some really good offensive zone shifts and stuff. And yet, despite really struggling against the Ducks, Anaheim uh, ended up conceding a couple of quick goals thanks to Nikolai Ehlers going full beast mode, and the Jets somehow won 4-3 to in regulation. I think that this game exemplifies a lot of what has given me pause about Winnipeg's on-ice performance this season. I think the Jets have really struggled against a team that should be considered a rebuilder. It's not really the most shocking thing with this team. I think Winnipeg is trying to do things at least a little bit the right way compared to what it used to do when it really shelled up and defensively sat back, tried to play off the counter, and forced everyone into like weird defensive zone coverages that don't really suit their skill sets. The more the Jets have been asked to do, the less effective they've become as a whole, and so this team against the Ducks, I, I think a lot of those issues still rear their ugly heads, and a couple of times it was also just really lazy plays from Winnipeg. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois had, you know, on the one hand, a fabulous assist on Evgeny Svechnikov's first goal for um, for the Jets, but then he coughed up the puck twice, and they directly turned into goals against. So 
It's just really odd. I feel like the Jets, for some reason, can play pretty competent break-even hockey, but the moment that they make a mistake, they usually get punished for it. So, you know, the Jets this game, I don't know that they really deserved both points. I feel like Winnipeg basically showed up for, like, the last three minutes of the game, and the rest of it was kind of, like, definitely there and, and playing the game, but not really actively engaged at the level that you would hope, right? This team... I think there were some issues with some of the stuff that was happening with Shovel Day off in the news, and I'm sure that that was weighing heavily. But just taking it from like a pure performance uh, analysis and issue, none of the stuff that we saw in that game was particularly different from the game against the Anaheim Ducks and stuff, and that was before all the news broke out. So I, I kind of lean towards the Jets just really struggling in general on the road against the Ducks team that for some reason has Winnipeg's number. I don't know why it is. It feels like Winnipeg does not handle high pressure very well. Anaheim likes to grind in the corners. They press higher up the ice. They try to force you into turnovers and mistakes. It just feels like the Ducks have at least a slightly aggressive approach that puts the Jets in a weird mental state or something. I don't know. Winnipeg seems to be prone to a lot of really silly errors. Part of it is systems reliant in that, you know, you see guys clearing the puck along the walls and the Jets immediately have those picked off. That you could understand if Anaheim is playing a really aggressive press up the ice, but then you also have situations where, like, there will be a passing lane that's very clearly way too risky for anyone to attempt it, and yet for some reason the Jets just sort of toss the puck up that way and hope for the best, and when it turns into an opponent scoring opportunity, no one else really seems to double back to cover and give Hellebuck support, so overall it was just a very mediocre game. What kind of saved it was that in the last, you know, minute or two of, of regulation, Ehlers sniped a beautiful goal, and then he actually banked a puck off of a, uh, uh, at first it looked like a Winnipeg skate, but it turns out it might have been an Anaheim Ducks skate, so Ehlers actually got a brace plus uh, another assist somewhere else in the game, and basically at the door of death in terms of uh, the time of the game, the Jets somehow stole both points against a Ducks team that frankly outplayed them in almost every category. Anaheim outworked the Jets in the slot, along the walls, uh, they forced Hellebuck to make some really great saves. It was just a very uninspiring performance, but, you know, given the circumstances, I don't know that anyone can really blame the team. I think a lot is going to happen over the next couple of weeks, and the Jets are going to have to really deal with some very turbulent stuff. It does seem like Blake Wheeler is slowly getting back into shape and, and coming back from his quarantine, which I think the room could very much use some, some leadership and a voice right now. Uh, so Wheeler's return might actually be a very good thing for the team. I think a lot of guys are going to have questions about what happens next. And honestly, I really couldn't say either. So it's, it's nice to see the captain is probably coming back soon. And hopefully if the Jets can kind of work through these next couple of weeks, they can come out on the other side a lot stronger and a lot more prepared for how to uh, really prevent stuff like the Kyle Beach situation from ever happening again. Because the entire league really needs to take a long, hard look and, and be ready to solve the issues that have come up and, and work on this going forward. I know Maurice said he didn't want this to be a distraction for the Anaheim game, but it absolutely should be. I think everyone needs to be taking a long, hard look. And uh, Wheeler actually just gave a quote about tonight. Um, and certainly about the beach situation. So at the very least, the Jets players are, are looking at it and watching it, and for that, I'm very thankful. Winnipeg will actually have another game tonight against the LA Kings very late. I'll talk about that game in just a moment and what I kind of expect out of it. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear a little bit about why rockauto.com should be the only place you buy your auto parts. There are literally thousands and thousands of vehicles out there, and it's really hard for auto parts stores to keep up stocking parts, accoutrements, and everything in between. You might stand in line for 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes waiting for your chance to buy the part that you need, and you find out they don't even have it in stock. If you want to save time and money, then just go to rockauto.com instead. 
They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you can save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked in the how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. We are closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts ahead of uh, Winnipeg's game against the Los Angeles Kings. Like the Ducks, the Kings are a rebuilding team, and we actually spoke with uh, Locked on Kings' uh, Sarah Avampado just the other day about what we might see from the, the Kings this season. Right now, they do seem to be in the midst of an injury crisis. I believe Sean Walker, Drew Doughty, and a number of other key contributors are all out with injuries, which is leaving LA a little bit vulnerable. I think that this season, at the start of it, at least seemed like it was going to be really promising. And then, you know, during preseason, Quentin Byfield, I think he had some kind of like a, a muscular tear or maybe a broken ankle or something, uh, which immediately put the, the season in jeopardy because Byfield was probably expected to be one of the like top nine contributors for this team, which, you know, his offensive punch and his skill would have been a really big difference maker. And then from there, it just seemed like the injuries have continued to pile on for LA, which, you know, this team would have been at least competitive for a playoff spot in the Pacific Division. I honestly think LA is maybe a little bit better than people expect, but still very much a, a team that's far away from Stanley Cup contention. But thanks to the Pacific Division being so weak, they might have had a chance to make it. Right now, though, I think they're definitely looking at the long term and thinking about a rebuild more than anything. Even though their offense has brought in some guys like Victor Arvidsson, um, you know, this team is still very much a work in progress. And I think L.A. in tonight's game is going to have something of a difficult time, at least in, in playing Winnipeg. But, you know, the one advantage that they do have is that Eric Comrie will be starting in net for the Jets. And I really want to love Comrie, and I think that he works very hard. He's been pushing and working hard to get this backup spot for a long time, but I think the biggest problem with him is I've just never really seen the growth into a full-on NHL goaltender that I've been hoping for. And while LA may be very injured and vulnerable, this is not a team that you can take lightly, especially if the Jets start taking penalties. We've already seen how hard it is for Hellebuck to uh, keep a really nice save percentage when, you know, the Jets are taking three to four penalties a game, and the PK unit just really can't kill anything. They may have killed Anaheim's penalties the other night, but let's be honest, I think that was probably more fortunate than anything. So, the Jets really need to play smartly tonight. I think that this team with Andre Kopitar, Dustin Brown, Kempe, Ayafalo, Arvidsson, I mean, this is a team that has some sneakily underrated talent. It's not a great team and it's not a deep team, but it can be one that is very frustrating. Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick and Nett should be, you know, whichever one of those guys, probably decent. I think Quick is definitely the more vulnerable of the two, but, you know, Peterson in his own right is still very good. I wish I could say that this game is probably going to be easy for the Jets, but after what happened in, in Anaheim and certainly some of these struggles this season, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. In fact, I think the Jets are probably going to struggle again. I think LA tends to play a style that for the Jets, is always a little bit tricky. Another team that's going to be grinding along the walls, looking for greasy scoring opportunities, and they're going to be the type of team that's looking to be very opportunistic when the Jets make a turnover. So Winnipeg has to be careful in managing the puck. They cannot afford any defensive errors. 
they need to be careful on the penalty kill and generally keep the penalty kill off the ice as much as possible. They'll be taking the ice at 10.30pm Eastern tonight, so just a couple of hours from now, and I'll have some thoughts on that game on tomorrow night's episode. For tonight's podcast, though, that is going to do it. Thank you for making Locked on Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms, so listen and subscribe today. As always, thank you for listening, and have a great night.